Why don't you lift your hands and give praise to the only wise, holy God. We give glory to the preeminent one, Jesus Christ, the first, the last, the one who is and is to come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hyphen class, we begin this today a, a new series, a new study in the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians simply says he's everything you need. Jesus is preeminent. Jesus is the one and you don't need no other. Hallelujah. I'm glad you're here today. Why don't you give your neighbor a big smile? Even if you don't like him. That's mainly for the couples that are here. You know, every once in a while, you know. <laughs> you can be seated for a moment. I'm glad you're here. I love what God is doing here at Lighthouse. It's incredible. Um, celebrate Brienne's birthday. And uh, she's been kind of mean to me last couple of days because uh, I'm in a lot of pain and I'm hurting and she hasn't given me any sympathy and I think that's sad and I just needed to go on record that that it hurts me deeply about a decade or so ago I played softball with our lighthouse team and I don't remember if it was Kenny or Darren or Jonathan and Hydric, but I called them a name because they dropped the ball. And I realized as pastor, it's probably not safe for me to play competitive sports with my saints because I hate losing. There's no such thing as participation trophies. And if you don't play to win... I have issues. I can't even hardly play games like that are just me, like golf. When not, not even against you, it's just me because I start calling me names. And come on, Buford, you moron. And but Wednesday night, Andrew, God bless him, and my son begged me to join the Lighthouse softball team that they're playing in this rec league. And so I prayed and fasted about it, <laughs> and 
decided that, that it was time for the young men and one older man, Justin, <laughs> to see how real softball is played. Circa 1999, 2000-ish. And so I did. Now I prayed, I, I literally did pray this. I prayed hard, God, please don't help me make an idiot out of myself. And God was with me. And the angels in the outfield were there. Or the infield, because I was shortstop. And uh, we showed Zane and the boys how you play softball. Now I can't walk. I'm pretty sure I busted a rib because every time I breathe, it hurts. Every muscle in my body is telling me I'm an idiot. I threatened to preach today in a, in a, a, a chair, or I was going to ask Brother Evans. They're not able to be here this morning, but I was going to ask Brother Evans if I could borrow his walker while I preach a little bit because I'm hurting. Something about these muscles that you don't use in a decade, and then all of a sudden you decide you can go do flips out there, and it catches up with you. But we had fun. If I recuperate, I'll join you all for another game, but it just depends on if I can breathe or not. But I love being a part of this church, everything about it, from from the, the, the fun, the food, the fellowship, the services, the prayer meetings, the Bible studies, and the small groups. Every chance I'm able to be around Lighthouse, I'm just blessed. And I thank you for what's going on. This is an outpouring month. You heard Brother Lee many times, but especially this morning, get up and talk about that. You've seen it on Facebook. You've seen it on social media a lot of foundation was built in prayer and fasting, and, and it's still going on. Uh, we, we started last Sunday in, uh, uh, at Easter Sunday, Brother Muse was here. Now, just an incredible crowd, great move of God at the end. Uh, I don't see Brother Adian, but he received the Holy Ghost uh, Sunday, and he's excited about that. Others have received the Holy Ghost over the last couple of weeks, been baptized. Y'all get me today preaching. For whatever it's worth. Next Sunday you're going to be blessed with the ministry of Brother Steve Williford. He's the Bishop of Apostolic Pentecostal Church there in South St. Louis. And he is an incredible man of God. And at the Southwest Camp Meeting he preached a message about revival in your family. And I just felt the Lord say you need to have him come preach. And so he's going to be here next Sunday. And he's going to preach on, on an outpouring in your family. I believe our families need revival. I preached that Wednesday. It's a multi-generational church. And so I want it to start in our families. And, and I, I'm just looking forward to what he, he is going to bring. And we need the voices of the evangelist. And we need the voice of the elder. And, and, and he's going to come and preach that. And then the following Sunday, the last Sunday of April, we've got Brother... Um, my brain just stopped, too. Hanscom, Brother Don Hanscom. It's part of the concussion I sustained on the infield when I fell backwards. My cleats got caught in the grass and dirt, and, and it hurt. But, uh, <laughs> but Brother Donald Hanscom is going to be here, and um, I'm going to just tell you right now, he's going to come, and he'll have a, a, a table set up, and he's going to have a book. It's called Miracle. You need to buy that book. I'm sure he's going to preach about it and preach on it. 
But every person here, you need to go get that book. It will help your faith. They uh, were missionaries to Pakistan and, and other countries around that region. He watched his own son miraculously raised from the dead after a traumatic brain injury uh, that took place. And I'm believing that that Sunday, it can happen any day, but especially that Sunday, I believe that signs and miracles and wonders are going to be present here in this sanctuary. And if you have a need, you need to just, just again, it can happen any moment. I'm not denying its ability to happen tonight or tomorrow, but you need to come to that service with your faith, ready to hear the word of God and ready for God to show off and show forth. And it would be a good thing for us to invite people. If you know people that have a need, Help them. Increase their faith. Tell them the testimonies of what God is doing around here and bring them to these outpouring services. It's going to be an incredible, incredible moment. And uh, I, I can't wait to see what, what God is going to continue to do. But it's today. And I want to preach on that word, outpouring. If you have your Bibles, Isaiah 41 and verse 17 will be where we, we, we start from and uh, while you're turning there, thankful for all that are here. And we don't normally take a chance to, to identify all of our guests, but we're glad to have Pastor Whalen with us. And I know he came all the way from Edmond, Oklahoma, and left his church, New Life Pentecostal Church, just to hear me preach. That's the only reason he's here. I get that. His daughter that's at Urshan, you're just a distant second, but thank you for coming and being a part of this, great friends of ours, and uh, we're, we're thankful that you've entrusted uh, your daughter to Lighthouse Church, and uh, we're glad you're here today. And to all the other guests, welcome, welcome, welcome. But Isaiah 41, verse 17 through 18 says this, And when the poor and needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue is parched with thirst, I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers on the bare heights and fountains in the midst of the valleys. And I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry lands springs of water. Would you let me just help build your faith? Help you just understand why we've made this a month of outpouring? Because I believe that's what God is going to do. Over the last few years, if you follow the news or seen anything in, the, in the, the, the meteorological records, you know that we have seen record droughts hit the United States. It's not just been in the United States, all across the world. There has been historic droughts that have happened. Uh, it's seen a lot in the western states. Our major reservoirs, their water levels have dropped in drastic amounts. If you'll put up that first picture of Lake Mead on the... Uh, that'd be, what is it, that'd be your left side. That is a picture, a satellite photo of Lake Mead in 2000. The next one in the middle, that is the 2021. And then in the very last, that is 2022. And it's hard for you to tell, but at that point, the water level is about right here. That's how bad the drought has been. And it goes forth. I can show you all sorts of lakes where they are drying up. They're, they're losing their ability to, to give water. If the levels drop any further, they would, entire uh, cities would lose a major water supply because they're 
just simply no more water. Water's important to humanity. I'm sure you understand that, but the, as far as I understand it, and some of my own studies tells us that our body is made up over 70% water, which means I'm not fat. I'm just well hydrated. <laughs> my wife says i got to stop. Okay, I'll just preach. That's it. It's all the ibuprofen I'm taking from my back. In the human body, if you are just 1% dehydrated, so if you lose, if you will, 1% of the water in your body, you feel thirsty. So if you've ever walked through life and you're like, man, I'm really thirsty, you have lost at least 1% of the water content of your body. If you lose 5% of the water that makes up your body, you will begin to run a slight fever. At an 8% deficiency, your saliva glands will stop producing saliva and you get a dry mouth. At 10%, that that 10% threshold of deficiency, you'll no longer be able to walk or stand. And if you lose just 12% of, of the water that makes up your body, you'll die. They tell us, and I know that it's, it's, it can be different, but on average, a person will live anywhere from 10 days to a few weeks without food, but only three days without water, because water is vital to our sustenance. I find it interesting then when the Lord begins to speak of things, He speaks of water. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. I'll probably paraphrase it. I may not read it all, but if you'll just... Uh, uh, follow with me in, in John chapter 7 and you can see verse 37 we find one of his discourses when it talks about water in fact in the Bible that I'm currently that, that I have with me here uh, I have a note right here March 28th 2021 it was uh, our dedication weekend of this building and brother Graham preached a message if the river ever leaves We've got to have that spiritual water. For the Bible says on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly or out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And he said this about the Spirit, that those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Holy Spirit had not been given, for Jesus had not yet been glorified. My understanding is, is in the month of October, about five days after the Day of Atonement, they celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. It's partly a celebration of the ending of planting season and the beginning of the harvest season. And pilgrims would come from all over to Jerusalem to celebrate this seven-day feasts of Tabernacles. There they would construct small booths out of straw or out of palm leaves. They would put them on the streets or they would put them on the the porticos of their home. And, And in a sense they would camp out, if you will. And it was a way of them commemorating and reminding them of the journey the Jews took as they were released from Egypt and went into the wilderness. This Feast of the Tabernacles was rich in symbolism. The seven-day festival included a weekly, or rather a daily procession. The priests 
and a choir and people would gather and they would leave the temple and they would go down to the pool of Siloam and there a spring feeds that pool. One of the priests would dip a golden pitcher into the spring of water and as they would carry it back to the temple, a choir would sing or chant from the words of Isaiah 12, 3, With joy you shall draw out of the well of salvation. This procession would walk back to the temple, and there the priest would pour over the altar that procession of water. This ceremony symbolize their plea to God. It's the growing season into the harvest season, pleading for God to continue to bring rain because those time frame in October or so is historically a dry month. It was a memorial to their wilderness journey and God's provision to the children of Israel on a daily basis. They did it to, rem to remember the rock that Moses both spoke to and struck, that water poured out, to those thirsty Israelites. It's also relating to the visions and images that Zechariah and Ezekiel had that one day there would be a river flowing out of the temple. But on that day, they would do it each day. But on the seventh day, kind of like when they marched around the walls of Jericho, each day they would do it one time. But on that seventh day, they did that procession seven times. And as far as I understand and as far as I can tell and other commentators and biblical scholars tend to agree is that Jesus had positioned himself somewhere where he had a good look of that procession. And maybe I'm, I'm, I'm pulling a little bit of my own imagination out but I, I kind of think that Jesus had watched that procession for many times on that last day, because the Bible says on the last day of that great feast, he had watched them go to the pool, pour out a pitcher of water and walk back. And finally he can't take it any longer. And as that procession, as they're singing and chanting with joy, you shall draw water out of the wells of salvation, Jesus stands up and he cries out, which means he shouts with a loud voice, if anyone thirsts, let him come unto me. If anybody is spiritually thirsty, it echoes the words he told that woman around the well when she came to dip her, her bucket into water and satisfy a physical thirst. He said, ma'am, if you drink that water, you'll be back tomorrow and you'll need some more water. But if you'll drink this living water that I give you, you'll never thirst again. It will satisfy completely. You won't have to keep looking. You won't have to keep searching. You won't have to keep filling up the God." shaped hole in your body if any man thirsts let him come unto me I hear him when he says it's the water I give you he wasn't talking about physical thirst we'll always have physical thirst as long as you're living you're consuming water and spending water and you need to drink water and if I could help some of you myself included coffee is not water I'll get through the day and start having a raging headache and go, man, why do I have a raging headache? And realize it's because I've drunk two cup or two pots of coffee and, and that's not hydrating. So I'm not a medical doctor, but if you're having a lot of headaches and you're really, drink some water. It's amazing how much it'll help. But we're not talking about physical thirst. The implication 
is that without Jesus, we become spiritually thirsty. There are so many things in this world that we attempt to uh, satisfy that thirst with. But could I take you to the book of Isaiah 55 and let you hear the words of that prophet as he may not understand it all himself, but he hears what the Lord is telling him. And that messianic prophet who has penned so many verses about the coming Messiah begins to write on paper in chapter 51 verse 1, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. If you don't have any money, it's all right. Come, I'll protect you. I'll give you buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk. And without money, without price, you don't deserve it. You can't afford it. It's nothing that you'll ever get, but I'm going to give it. There is living water. It begins to, to, to go on. It says, incline your ear, verse 3. Come here that your soul may live. Verse 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he may be near. And again, over and over, I hear that call, come, you who are thirsty. I don't think it takes a rocket scientist. I don't think it takes a theologian to understand that the world in which you and I live in currently is a spiritually thirsty If I could pick you up, and I've been to some deserts in my life. I've been to places where water is conserved. I, I know what it's like in, in, a, in an abstract understanding to know what a dry place is. But we're living in a spiritually dry place. When you read the book of Romans chapter 1, it begins to come alive when it talks about that men by their unrighteousness, verse 18, Romans 1, 18, by their unrighteousness they suppress the truth. They're without excuse. They don't honor God. They don't give thanks to God. They become futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts are darkened. And God gives them up to the lusts of their heart, to impurity. They dishonor their body among themselves and exchange the truth of God for a lie and worship the creature rather than the creator. And so it is that God gives them up to dishonorable passions. Their women exchange natural relationships for those that are contrary to nature. And men likewise give up natural relations with women and are consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. God gives them up to a debased mind. They're filled with unrighteousness and evil and covetousness and malice. Of envy and murder and strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossipers and slanders and haters of God. They're insolent. They're haughty. They're boastful. They invent evil. They're disobedient to parents. They're foolish. They're faithless. They're heartless. They're ruthless. They even know God's righteousness tells them otherwise and they choose to practice sin. And not only do they do it, but they give approval to those that practice. That's a spiritually dry world, and we're living in it. It's 2 Timothy chapter 3 that continues that thought and allows us to understand that just as it was in the day of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. And so we see those same things, 2 Timothy 3, Paul writes, and he reminds them in, in uh, verse 
chapter 1, understand in the last days there'll come times of difficulty. People will love themselves and love money. They'll be proud and arrogant, abusive and disobedient, ungrateful and unholy, heartless, unpeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal. They won't love good. They'll be treacherous and reckless and swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They'll have the appearance of godliness, but they'll deny its power. That's a spiritually dry place. And we're in that spiritual drought. We're in that place where people have found all sorts of ways to try to ease the pain and try to ease that God-shaped hole that's within us. The drugs don't do it anymore, so they invent new drugs. Right now, what's hitting the streets is fentanyl's not enough anymore. Now they mix fentanyl with a horse tranquilizer. And it's, it's, it's killing people by the dozens far uh, in, in our own community. Because there's a hole, it's spiritually thirsty. Some of you have experienced that, maybe not the drugs, I don't mean that, but you've experienced that spiritual thirst, and you wonder, is there any answer to a dry, desiccated spirit? Is there any answer when you've tried everything and nothing fits? Over the last six months or so, something has shifted. I understand that the the natural world has seasons and times. I get all of that. But I've also noticed in the Bible, sometimes God allows the natural world to emulate the spiritual world. Because something's changed in the weather. It's called an atmospheric river. That in the atmosphere, a long, narrow band, which looks a little bit like a river, is there. It's not the jet stream, it's different than that. You may have heard it called the Pineapple Express because there's an atmospheric river that sometimes will pull out of Hawaii in the tropics and come into the western part of the states. Or sometimes it comes out of the Caribbean and works its way up. There in that atmospheric river, that, that band of the earth's atmosphere, they say, will roughly contain the average flow of water that the mouth of the Mississippi has. It's a massive amount of water that's hanging out in the atmosphere. A strong atmospheric river can be 15 times the amount of water in the Mississippi River at its mouth. And when that atmospheric river reaches landfall, it releases that water in the form of rain or snow. How many of you remember? Uh, I don't remember if it was July or August of last year. O'Fallon's experienced a thousand-year flood. It's part of the atmospheric river. Other places got, I mean, we, we got 10 or 12 inches of rain in just a few hours. It's unheard of. But there's an atmospheric river. In fact, let me show you a picture of Lake Arroyoville. Go to the other picture. That picture. That was last year. That's Lake Aurora. If I understand, that's the second largest reservoir in California. That's where it was last year. Until the atmospheric river hit California and put the next picture up. That's where it is right now. Unprecedented 
they, they were running out of water and now they've reached to where they're no longer considered in a drought moment all because of an atmospheric river that filled it up. And you ask me today, what does it have to do with us? What does it have to do with Lighthouse? I'm so glad you asked. Because if the natural world can allow an atmospheric river to remove and reverse a drought-filled reservoir, then there is an outpouring of living water that seems to be centered on Lighthouse and the surrounding communities that says, I understand there's a dead, desiccated, dry world, but there is hope for your parched soul. What is it that we're seeing right now? What is it that I see every time I get on Facebook and see my fellow pastors and what God is doing in their own uh, churches and in their own communities? It's because if the natural world can refill the reservoir, then the spiritual world says, I can pour out my spirit upon all flesh. This is that spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. I know I've picked on my wife and hopefully she'll forgive me, but Brienne says, I cannot preach or talk or even speak about floods because every time I've ever said anything about a flood, the church floods somehow. It floods from the, the sky, it floods from the thing. So I'm not going to talk about floods. Natural. But there is a spiritual deluge that's fallen. There is a spiritual pouring out that's happening. That's flooding this sanctuary. That's flooding and it can't contain it here. And so what does it do? It spills out to your lives and it spills out to your homes. And it spills out to Troy and it spills out to St. Charles. And it spills out to our communities because it cannot contain it. There is a spiritual outpouring this is that I've told you and I'm, I'm not apologizing for it I'm keeping my mind I'm keeping my, my, my study in the book of Acts because I want a book of Acts church and what I find in the book of Acts church is they were a church of an outpouring it didn't matter where they went it didn't matter how spiritually dry it was you can walk into the middle of Rome where there seems to be no God moment no God conscious but just let it start raining the Holy Ghost just let them start preaching Jesus Jesus, just let them start reaching out and a spiritual outpouring flows. And so when the day of Pentecost was fully come, and they were all there in one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat down upon each one of them and they were all filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues and Peter says this is that he's pouring it out and it makes no sense why in the world would the priest take water and go to the altar? The altar was where they burned stuff. The altar has fire. Why would you pour water on the fire? Because in the natural world, you pour water on the fire to put it out. But God don't work like that. God says to the prophet up there battling Baal, he says, why don't you build your altar? 
why don't you put your wood on the altar? Why don't you put your sacrifice on the altar? But don't put it on fire. Don't burn it. Let's just see if I can do it. And, and by the way, just to make sure nobody says there was a magic trick, go find 12 barrels of water in the midst of a three-year drought where people have been dying because there's nothing to drink. Go find me 12 55-gallon drums of water and pour it on that altar until all around it turns mud and then pray, I think, a 66-word prayer and watch what I can do because in God's world, water and fire just means revival. In God's world, he can say, I will baptize you with water and with fire. In God's world, he says, it's okay to talk about the fire of the Holy Ghost and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost because this is a supernatural God phenomenon, a divine outpouring that all should receive it. This is that. It's why the book of Isaiah, again, that prophet that loved to talk about the Messiah would say in Isaiah 32, a king is coming. A king is coming that's going to reign in righteousness like streams of water in a dry place. And then he'd pin a little bit more, but he couldn't escape it. And he'd get down to Isaiah 32, 15. And when the Spirit is poured out upon us from on high, and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field. Ezekiel would put it this way, 39, 29. I will not hide my face anymore from them, and I will pour out my Spirit on them. That's why Zechariah the prophet said, Zechariah 12.10, recording the words of God, I will pour it out on the house of David. Which is why the Holy Ghost fell first in Jerusalem. Because we had to go fulfill Zechariah 12.10. But the reason it kept falling was because he had to fulfill Joel 2. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Jew, Gentile, son, daughter, Male, female, old, young. He's no respecter of persons. That, that, when, when that water begins to fall, when it rains, the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. What it means is there's somebody that probably don't deserve the rain. But the rain's falling. Here in this world, we're living in a spiritually dry world. If you'd have asked me a couple, I don't know, two, three, four, five years ago, I'd have said, well, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. It don't seem like much, but God's been promising a revival. God's been promising an outpouring. And all I see is a cloud the size of a man's hand. And that old prophet started running, and he ran so fast, he outran the chariot. By the time they got to the city, man, it was pouring. But I can't say that anymore. I can't say all I see is the cloud size of man's hand. No, I see what I saw last night at about 4 or 5 o'clock. It's just clouds. There's no it's coming. It's stand here and get wet if you want to. It's no longer. I wonder when it's going to happen. It's, it's happening right now. I am pouring out my spirit upon all flesh. An outpouring. 
And so we see it here in just a moment. I'm, I'm excited. I, I'm, I'm about to go back and, and uh, take back what I've said because I, I made y'all promise that I'm going to let y'all baptize people. Problem is, I ain't baptized no one in a long time. And it might be because I need to start going and teaching Bible studies or something. But we're about to baptize Chris and Sharma in Jesus' name. You know why? Because it's an outpouring. It's an outpouring. And when we least expect it, it's an outpouring. And it's going to start happening in your homes because the church can't contain the flood of the Holy Ghost. And so you're going to start seeing them getting the Holy Ghost around your kitchen table. And your children are going to start getting the Holy Ghost when they're praying around their beds at night. And you're going to start calling me on Monday saying, hey, can we find a place to baptize? Because this is that spoken up by the prophet Joel in the last days saying, the Lord, I will pour out my spirit. This is that. Come on, I don't think you quite understand it. He didn't say this is coming. He didn't say this is going to happen. But he waited until it started to rain. And then he said, you're wondering what's going on? This is that. And so all I can say is get ready, get ready, get ready. Because if he can refill California's reservoir with a natural rain, you need to understand this building can't contain it. I don't know what we're going to do, Brother Lee. It's going to be two services and three services. It's going to have to be in Troy. It's going to have to be in St. Charles. I'll have to send them to other churches because he is filling up a community. He is filling up a city. He is filling up a region. This is I wonder, I, I, I know they're about to sing. I've talked to them about what I was going to preach. And I know they're about to break into open the floodgates of heaven and let it rain. But I wonder if you can do it without the emotion of a music. I know in America we desperately desire that emotion. And we desperately desire something to help us get there. But I wonder right now if we could hear the sound of an abundance of rain. If you could turn your ears to a spiritual resonance. If you could turn your ears and let it hear. I hear the thundering. I hear the lightning. I hear the explosion. I hear the rain.
right now if you're here and you spill fear and you feel spiritually dry. I don't care if you've been to church all your life, if you have been filled with the Holy Ghost or not, or if this is your first time to ever walk into a church service, but if you are here and you feel spiritually in a drought, it's been a while since you felt those rivers of living water coursing through your life. If it's been a while since you've allowed the presence of God to speak, or maybe never you have experienced the presence of God, then I'm here today to tell you, it's raining. He's pouring it out. It's here. And all you have to do is get yourself to a place where you can allow that spirit, where you can allow the Holy Ghost to flood into you. The best way you can do that is repent of your sins and pull out the stops. Sin has an ability to try to cap it off. And so if you simply lift your voice in your hands right now and begin to repent of your sins, I promise you in the power of God's word, he said repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ and you shall, not maybe, not perhaps, but you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and all that are afar off. So right now, would you lift your voice? I'm going to put the mic down and do my own worship, but would you begin to let from the bottom of your heart, would you begin to let repentance flow, and then would you begin to worship him, and as you worship him, the spirit of God is here, and he is pouring out his spirit right now. Come on, I'm going to invite everyone that possibly can. I invite you to get out of your seats. And I invite you to start making your way up to an altar. I know the altar is not the only place it happens. But right now you need to make a conscious effort. We may not all fit up here. But would you just get out of your comfort zone for just a moment? Would you step out of your seat for just a moment? Even if it's just one seat in front of you. Would you make some sort of move and would you lift up your hearts and would you lift up your soul and would you let the king of glory pour into you